everybody, and thanks again for joining us on our kind of third live webinar following the success of the first two with the excellent guests that we've managed to secure. You'll be glad to know that you'll be in for a, another very informative session this evening, as well myself and Clark, and we're kind of really looking forward to getting it underway. Before we get started, I think it's important to introduce the podcast to those of you attending tonight who have not yet come across it. Myself and Clark started it almost, in fact, I think it will be about a year ago, um, coming up shortly, start of April. Um, yep. And we've released an episode each week since then. Um, sorry for those of you that were in the, the previous webinars and having to go through this spiel again. Um, at the very beginning, we weren't really too sure what to talk about, so there were some random episodes in there, but we soon kind of found the area we wanted to focus on. Um, and that was interviewing specialists within teaching and mainly physical education. Um, our thinking was that if the guests were able to help Clark and I challenge our own thinking on our own practice, then um, the outcome of that would hold obviously it would kind of have a positive impact on others as well through sharing the episodes and um, it's something that we actually really enjoy doing each week and um, going through the, podca- uh, the the process of recording the podcast. We started off with audio podcasts only over the last and only over the last two months we've decided to start organizing live webinars um, to make it that wee bit more interactive and to give you a lot a chance of any questions or concerns that you might have and to get them answered by the guests that we have on. Um, in the near future, um, we've some a few live episodes lined up where we'll be using the, the Premiership Experience offices, which is our, uh, our partners that we've got just now. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for them, and uh, hopefully, I'll have the, the barbers will have opened by then, and I'll um, have a haircut. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, pass, I'll pass you over to Clark now, who will uh, introduce um, tonight's episode. Right, thanks everybody. If you're wondering why my hair's cut, um, my girlfriend's been getting better at it every time she's, she's done it over the last few. So, um, now, before, we, before I introduce the guest tonight, um, a partner of the podcast is Premiership Experience. We offer fantastic sports tours within the UK and abroad, and I can speak highly of them from my own experience and impact that they've had on the young people at my school. So, be sure to check them out on Twitter at Premiership Experience. And uh, first of all, Thanks to everyone for giving up your time tonight to come on and be part of this uh, interactive webinar. As I said, it's a third one. Um, all of the questions that are in this webinar are from yourselves, uh, which we believe is the way to do it and the way forward. It's giving student teachers a voice as you are the future of our profession and we want to make sure that the questions are getting answered as best as possible. Uh, so we want, to leave you, we want you to leave here tonight feeling inspired, like hopefully myself and Lewis will be as well, uh, from the strategies that we're going to, we're going to pick up. So um, we've got another fantastic guest coming on tonight, Deputy Head Teacher uh, Marie Kerr from Smithycroft uh, Secondary School in Glasgow. So um, welcome, uh, Marie, to the A Wee Bit of Everything webinar. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for inviting me along. <laughs> I don't want to let myself in for a bit, hey-ho. <laughs> it's, our, it's our pleasure. No, it's been good speaking to you over email over the last yeah, good, couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah, um, yeah. And we're looking forward to... What you've got to say. We know you've got a presentation to share, so if anyone's got yeah. any questions that spring to mind, put them in the chat box and we'll do our best to answer them. Okay, um, so how's uh, how you been then, Marie? How's your day been today? I've been fine. I, as I say, I got my COVID um, jag yesterday, my first one, and I was like shivering and things through the night at a temperature this morning. I've been on paracetamol all day, so um, you know, if I'm not firing all cylinders, forgive me, guys, because it's yeah. a bit. I actually feel a lot better now, but. Um, other than that, I'm I'm fine. Okay, Dory. Well, thanks for coming on. I'm sure you'll be I'm sure you'll be grand, but we'll be here to support as well. So okay. Um. So we'll we'll, we'll crack on then with the first question, Marie. Uh, okay. So so in your experience, um, what or, or would you prefer to maybe just go? Well, no. I mean, I, well, 
I mean, we can do that as well, but I think before we even, because the first question is about, you know, management, managing class and behaviour, and I think what I'd say to you, I wanted it to be interactive, because mm -hmm. I think all good teachers know that we want to get attention span of slow and we can't listen for too long, you know? Yeah. So, um, just, I think I wanted people to start thinking first of all, before we even think about, you know, how we manage behaviour in our classrooms, what yep. causes young people to misbehave? I'd like people to put in the chat just as many reasons as they think, and be honest, you know, what, what do you think... What some of the reasons why young people misbehave in classroom? What's going on there? It'd be good to hear people's views before we go on any further. Okay, I went first there, seeking attention from peers. So I can't see any. Somebody's mouth. I can't see the chat. Fine. Yeah, can I? I can, I'll do that. Yep. So we've got boredom, uh, external influences, social environment, issues with friendship, things growing at home. Yep. Count, countless reasons, to be honest. Yep. Yep. Lessons are not engaging. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. Bar barriers to learn learning. Uh huh. Uh, social status. Yep. Uh, yep. Else yeah, I, I, I one more. Not understanding the content being delivered. Right. Okay. So some of those things are things that we can really influence. Some of those things are things that we can, you know, like if it's boredom, we need to think about, you know, how do we make it not boring? If they can't understand it, how do we make them understand it? So there are things within our within our um, how are I supposed to to change? But there's some things, and you know, but some of these things, some of these things in this here are, are things that we really haven't got much power over. So a lot of kids, especially when I work in the East End of Glasgow, you know, um, kids, there's a lot of drug drug abuse, alcohol abuse in that area. There's a lot of mental health issues in that area. A lot of physical health issues in that area. You know, so kids in our some of our kids in our school are just in that flight or flight response all the time that's how they live at home all the time the stress and the coping mechanisms children haven't got the same coping coping mechanisms as adults and even when when the teenagers at teenage years as well the brain develops again the brain sort of goes into um, a, a bit of a lockdown for a while and parts of that brain just aren't working so it's that fight or flight that's all that's, that's going so sometimes it's not even their fault you know or they don't mean it they just can't really control it um there's some kids who get additional support needs and again, we don't always know them. We know the ones that have got, um, you know, diagnosis and things like that. But there's additional support needs, in my view, is anything from a child being abused at home or you know, living in a domestic abuse situation or, you know, hunger or neglect or whatever, that all these things. Developmental stage. I mean, everybody is at a different developmental stage because of, um, you know, their background where they're coming from so if you're if you see a premature birth or whatever you know you're not as, as advanced as some other kids in your class we shouldn't assume that all 13 and 14 year olds are physically sorry capable um educationally as as much but also just uh, emotionally you know they're all they're all different um stages that reinforcement and i think this is about you and i were talking about clark that reinforcement of behaviors you know, um, we all behave in a certain way and it's all, you know, we're all victims and products of the society we're brought up in and, and people, you know, um, reinforce behaviours for you. And when you have a behaviour that you've done for a long, long time, whether it's positive or negative, it's very, very difficult to change that. And, and this is, I think, where I'd like to just share something that I really would love to do. And, and it's a personal thing and I can't do it and I don't know why. I just feel as if, as I say, I'm betraying myself. So I, I was brought up in a family of five and my sister was just a crier. She cried all the time, my older sister, at everything, you know, dead emotional. And she used to say to me, you're just hard-hearted Annie. And that's what she called me all my life. And it got to the stage where I just couldn't cry. I just can't cry. I can't actually, but I stopped myself from doing it because 
you know, she's told me that's what I'm like. And that's what I've become. And you think about the children who've been told they're stupid, they're thick, they're nasty, they're, they're horrible, they're ugly, they're all of that. You know, you become that person. Yeah, that's what, you, that's what you've been taught to believe. Well, I definitely. And there's also another wee thing that, um, you know, I wasn't brought up, the family we were brought up in, wasn't I, it wasn't a, you know, I didn't have a bad childhood or anything, but we weren't lovey-dovey, kind and caring. And I can't actually say, I can't remember the last time I told my parents I loved them because I, I can't get it out. I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. And they'll say it now. They didn't do it when they were younger, but now and again they'll do it. And I just feel so bad about it. But I can't change it. Just like you can't have a child never says thanks. You know, trying to make a child say that is bloody hard. You know, mm-hmm. so you've got to, we've got to be aware of you know, that all the time when we're dealing with behaviour and not, you know, not take things personally. Yeah, I think some um, pupils as well are like that. Like they don't want to express their emotions and feelings in front of their peers. But it's us, I suppose it's up to us to create an environment where they feel trust me they can trust us to open up as that's well that's right i know but even then you know some kids even then i mean even the badly behaved ones they still want your attention they just don't know how to get it in a negative positive way because they're not mm-hmm. used to it so it's yeah. all about remembering that you know and um, again trauma relationships bullying the social media thing now is just a big pressure on kids and that you know family and social expectations of them i know there's kids in our school who they come into school straight away and they hate school because their parents hated school and the parents have told them they hate school and they hate teachers. So you've got all of that baggage coming in there. So when kids come into school, you know, they've got all that, they're bringing all that with them. And we need to be, we need to be cognizant of that. And I think we need mm-hmm. to always remember that. So in terms of that, I could getting passed down, you always hear that it's getting passed from the parents. So have you ever seen examples of that, like individual examples of that getting turned around in terms of like seeing the generations, but then... I think it happens all the time. There's always people that buck the trend, mm-hmm. you know. Um, funny thing is, when I'm one of five and I'm the only person in my house that's getting any qualifications, but I didn't have any. I left school when I was very young. I left school after fourth year at 15 and a half with no qualifications. And it wasn't until I was a lot older I went back and did that. So, you know, right. um, but, but it does happen. Some kids, you know, and you can, I hear people saying, oh, but his brother's not like that or his sister's not like that. Well, you know what? There's there's a nature and the nurture, isn't there? Yeah. So, you know, some people buck the trend. Some people, you know, just for whatever their personality is, change. Um, and it, it can happen, but, um, you know, it's not, it's history repeats itself. I think we all know that. Yeah. And, you know, kids that, kids that um, don't do well in school, parents didn't do well, grandparents didn't do well. And that's what we need to think about. How do we change that? And the only way we can change that is really by changing how we behave towards these young people or are they just going to be excluded and excluded more and more? Yeah, I think you made a good point at the start as well about teachers having control over a lot of these situations that were in the chat. Yeah. And um, taking responsibility for it, isn't it, as a teacher yep. to make sure yep. that you don't, don't have excuses? And, and some teachers are still like this. Some people are still like this. It's like, you know what, I'm a teacher, I'm there to teach. Um, and they're there to learn and that's all about it. They don't need to like me. And I remember as well, you guys might have heard it too, some, some, you get to some schools, and this is for the students and the professionals, you might join a school at some point where you've got a principal teacher or a teacher that's saying, you know, don't smile till Christmas, you know, um, that kind of thing. That's that's just rubbish nowadays, you know, and she talks about um, this person that she knows that was saying to her, oh, you know, that, that's not what I'm here for. I'm just here to teach and they're here to learn um, and I don't care if they like me. And what the person says is, well, unfortunately, kids don't learn from people they don't like. So that's mm. really her message. You know, they need a champion. They need somebody. They need you to like them. And they need, you know, they need, you, they need to know that. And it's hard to like some kids. 
you know, not all kids are likable and it's hard, but they're the ones that we really need to, to like. And, and the other one with Peter Nairns as well, he says, you know, some of the things he says that children in your class could be tormented by inner demons. He's, he talks about isolated by their anger and anxiety. They're constantly living in the fight or flight mode, just waiting for that moment for you to let them down. A lot of kids have been let down by every adult they know. And actually what they do is they try and, you know, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. There's other adults that are going to let me down and, and it makes them feel good because they're right, you know? So they push and they push and they push, you know, for you to mm -hmm. then let them down so they can say, yep, I'm right. So they need reassurance, trust, love and safety. That's what he talks about. Um, so um, I suppose what we're talking about is this positive model of behaviour in your classroom. And um, I'm just going to click through all these. So this is where you should really be, so creating a positive learning environment. That should be at the root of everything you do in your class. That should be your main focus in your classroom. And what they're saying is the base of that. You know, if you get that bit right, every other bit will fall into place. Then you behave your behavior management, behavior classroom strategies, and there's millions of them that you can have. You know, and definitely you'll have different ones with different classes. And I'll, I'll show you um, link in a minute. Next slide or next two slides, I'll show you some of the things that you can do just to make it easier. But if you create that positive learning environment and then you get your strategies, you'll spend less time dealing with that troubleshooting, dealing with that um, confrontation in the class, opposed to the negative model, which is the opposite. You're spending all your time, confrontation. You're not liking your kids. They're not liking you. You know, things are, are bad every day. Then you get your management behavior strategies and that positive learning environment is, is, is really, you know, not important in your class. So it's about having that positive um, model of, of behavior management. So I didn't want to see that. Again, I was going to ask people, what are the, um, what are the signs of a good teacher? What makes a good teacher? And there's probably more things. People can put more things in the chat if they want for that as well. Yeah, put more things in. Well, yeah, but if you look at that as well, I mean, it's about passionate. It's about patient. It's about, you know, um, presence, engaging, reflective. You, we need to be reflective practitioners if we reflect. And I always think, you know, one of the best things to do to manage a class is let the kids know that they're important and what their views are important and you know i think you can't do enough of asking them at the end of a lesson tell me what you didn't like and being honest and open and saying look i'm not worried about it don't be afraid to don't be afraid to upset me teach them about constructive feedback teach them the reason for it is so that you are saying to your kids you know i need to know um, how it went because i need to know if i need to change anything so it's not about them getting it wrong so that's that's um, quite a good thing anything else that makes a good teacher uh, we've got consistent Sorry, yep. Emma. Emma, uh, we've got approachable, uh, understanding, empathetic, yep. interested, yep. Inv really invested as well in your teaching. Yep. Adaptable, yep. very current just now. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. But these are all things that are about your personality and your 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 the, the person you are. It's about your people skills, and you know, um, some people say you know you can't change your people skills. Well, you can actually change. I don't know if anybody's ever read the Chimp Paradox, have you? No, I've heard a lot about it. It's one of the yeah, ones I've not read, got around to read. And it's really, really, it's a really, really easy, easy read, but it's so true, you know. And you can change how you do things if you really you read that. So that's a good, a good book to read. So here's a list of classroom strategies, right? But you know, there's hundreds more out there. As I say, don't need me to tell you these. You can go to um, go on the website and you can see them all. Building positive relationships with all children. 
even those ones that are hard to like, find something that you've got in common with them or find, even if you haven't, you know, if you if you hate football, but, you know, they support Celtic or Rangers or Albion Rovers or whoever it may be, Hamilton Academic, whatever, you know, find that link and just ask them about themselves, find out about themselves, hard as it might be, and they'll push you away and they'll push you away and they'll push you away, but don't give in, you can't give up, we can't give in. I think that meeting them at the door as much as you can, you know, be there and be prepared with a, with a welcome to everybody, how you doing, nice to see you, a wee bit of banter, you know, banter I think goes a long way, a wee bit of laugh, a wee bit of joke, a wee bit of you know, downheartedness, um, show a personal interest, I think I said that in all of them, and I think model the behaviour you want, you know, that's what I say all the time, and um, I've got people sometimes staff bring people young people to you and the staff are all over the place and they're getting angry and he's done this and he's done that and I'll just say right see if you just sit there just now I really appreciate that'd be great thanks very much you sit there that's great blah 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 and I can see my colleagues looking at me as I have to go why are you not shouting at him you know the child's face is red you know he's up to that high door kind of way like, why, why am I going to shout at him because that's just not going to happen so it's about being calm at all times model that behaviour you want if you want somebody to be calm even if they're not being calm you have to stay calm and that's it then they, they sort of sometimes they then model you back that's the whole idea of that don't take things personally this serves relationships I don't have any doubt about that you know as I've said to many people if I took things personally I probably wouldn't get out of my bed in the morning young people say the most horrible things to you but they're just again it's that trying to test you and push you away and you know try to see if you'll if you'll still be there for them so yeah they do that but again if people if young people are horrible being horrible you've got to walk away and take take a take a step back and you know whatever else bill rogers as well i was going to show that bill rogers um video as well which is really good about tactically ignoring ignoring all the bad all the other things if you're telling a child off for having a phone out rather than say you know you get your phone out again I need you to put your phone away. There's a classroom rule for that. You know, that's the thing. And the child probably huffing and puffing. There's no point in going, going to stop that huffing and stop that puffing. And you're because it just makes it worse. He'll say tactically ignore all of that. Just need mm. you to put your phone away. Just need you to put your phone away. And um again, when you're doing the classroom rules and guidelines, I think it is important that you include the kids in them, but you make them really that it's not just a paper exercise, it's not you make them realise that they've got to invest in that as well. Bill Rogers also says, don't say please when you want something, someone to do something. And I think there's, that, that's so true, because when you're saying please, you're sort of giving them a choice. And mm -hmm. what he means is, and I, I do it all the time, I say, I need you to sit down, thanks very much. And it's amazing how quick children do things when you say thanks. If you say, can you sit over there, please? They'll, they'll, they'll not do it as quick. You know, mm -hmm. And if they don't do it straight away, you just say, I just need you to sit down, thanks. Thanks very much, I appreciate that. Even if they've been horrible and nasty. Yeah, I I think I remember also as well, like when you're saying I need you to, I remember picking it up off a, a uh -huh. DVD, like rather than yep. saying I, I want you to, like I want right, you to give them the yep. choice, but I need, yep. like, I need like, you to do that. Bill Rogers is brilliant and there's loads of video clips I'd advise anybody yeah. and there's, they're all just short we bursts of that, That's, they're really good. Yeah. Um, again, if you're in a classroom, never talk over pupils, you know, and I use that when I'm in a class, I use that clap once if you hear me, I don't know if you've heard of that one. What's that? Clap once if you hear me. Have you ever oh, done clap that? Clap once if you hear me. I don't right. used to do that in the primary school. I worked in primary. Right. But I do it in secondary. It works with all ages. Actually, works with all mm -hmm. ages. And, and you don't even need to explain it to them. You just need to say clap once if you hear me. And somebody will turn around and look at you and then clap twice if you hear me. And somebody will clap. They just do what you ask them to do. And I do it all the time. And sometimes you've got to do it in certain classes where they're really noisy continuously. But as long as you just keep doing it to get mm. attention back, it really, really works. Also, all eyes on me. That's another one that people use. But there's loads of things like that. 
that mm. you can that you can use you know yeah. um again we talked about these other things that we can have, have well prepared interesting interactive lessons i think unique is you know it's interesting see if you're bored with what you're teaching they'll be bored as well you know try and think about that and that, that's when you're asking you know get the kids to feedback so if you thought it was really really good and they say well i, I didn't find that interesting or that bit was boring or bother we'll change it try and think how to change that again that constructive feedback teach them what that's about and, and, and ask them to do that and i say if in doubt google it ted talk is great for inspiration not even ted talk just the internet there's so many things on the internet mm -hmm. about um dealing with behavior but i Sometimes definitely it's think good just to listen to something different isn't it and get a wee bit of yep. boost, a yep. motivation yep. inspiration Yep. Mm. But if you're if there's something that's in the class that's bugging you, something that you can't fix, that it's happening all the time, you, you know you do just put that whole bit in, just put that in the you know Google and and you'll, somebody will tell you how to how to do that. But um, I think we're talking later on about consistency and a bit of it's about that as well. For me, I think that's it's about just being proactive and going and actually trying to fix it rather than just expecting it to change. Like yeah. that's what I, I had like and during my probation year, it was like I had one class that I really struggled with and I just kept trial and error with all these different things rather than going and actively trying to find a way to that's right. to fix yep. it or speaking to somebody for support and asking for help. Yep. I was just always yep. just expecting them to show up and it would just be it would just be different. But it's yep. it's about trying to actually find find a way to Yep. Totally. Trying to try new things and finding what the new things are, yeah. right? And, mm. and trying different things until what, what works works for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that question. Is that that question answered, really? I think if we got... Yeah, absolutely, yeah. The first one. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. Best behaviour management approaches. Yeah. Uh, definitely got them all there. Right, so the, the four questions that we've asked are... The, the questions kind of fell into those kind of four categories, didn't they, Clark? We kind of picked the, the ones that we thought were... Um, the ones that kind of cropped up the most, so we tried to encompass as many as we could with those four questions, if that makes sense. It was kind of <laughs> themes that were cropping up. Um, so, Marie, my question for you then, or well, it was actually one of the one of the, the listeners' questions. So, what are the best ways to deal with a class's behaviour but not impact your relationships with them? Do you believe in punishment or reward? Okay, so I think I'll answer it before we do the wee scenario thing. But I think I think um, restorative restorative conversations. You know, are the best way to deal with it without um, impacting relationships, without a doubt. You know, um, and do I believe in punishment rewards? No, I don't really believe in either of them, to be honest. Um, you know, children don't behave better by being punished. They don't. It doesn't change their behaviour really. And um, rewards. Again, I just shown you there's a Carol Carol Dweck, who's the growth mindset person. She's also good to listen to as well. She would say that you know, um, if children Children are rewarded for achievement. You know, if you've got to reward them every time, will they will they achieve just for the sake of it? You know, will they want to do that? And what Carol Dweck would say is, you know, it's good enough to say. Not, and I think she'll say, don't say to children, "Oh, you're really clever." They don't really believe that, and they don't buy that. You're dead intelligent. You're really smart. And I hear people say all the time, "You're really smart." Should be able to do this. It's about praising their effort. You know, you, that's a great effort you've made there. Look at look how much you've really improved there because you've done this, that, and the next thing. That's really good. To, it's about that kind of language. Carol Dweck's really, really good for that. But I think going back to the restorative practice, and especially in Glasgow. I mean, Glasgow is like the nurturing, the nurturing city, the nurturing schools. That's that's what we've got to. You know, if you work in Glasgow, that's what that's the route you've got to go down. And all behaviour is communication is a big thing in Glasgow as well. So restorative practice is what we're expected to do. You know, Maureen McKenna is 
adamant that young children shouldn't be excluded from school. And if you're going to exclude them for swearing at you or shouting at you or, you know, falling out with somebody or whatever, you know, then these kids are just going to fall behind more and more and more. So it's about restorative practices so that they, um, you know, learn how to be restorative. I suppose we could just talk, but people might have seen that quote. I don't know if you have at all. Um, it's quite no, interesting. But I think, so what, what he's saying is that, you know, it's how we are. It's how we are on a daily basis that actually can be a tool of torture and instrument of inspiration. How we are in that room, how we speak to young people, how we involve young people, how we treat them, we either humanise them or dehumanise them. So that's another really good clip. He's really good to watch as well. Um, as I say, I'm not, I think they'll all be the same with sounds. There's no point. Hey, we can do it. We'll file them in the chat or the, the emails at the end and then everybody yeah. can get access to them. Okay. Um, so it's going to start again the video, I think. So, um, restorative practice gives voice to pupils and staff who've been harmed, right? I mean, there's no point in you coming to me and saying, um, such and such said this, you know, and um, he's going to get away with it if you don't do something about it and wanting them punished because it won't change that, you know, and if they're going to come back into your classroom the next day, you need to resolve that and you need to, you know, repair that relationship. Um, again, it's about developing pro-social behaviours, empathy, responsibility, problem solving. It helps children in the long run. If they get used to doing that, then they'll become better people, I think, you know. Um, that caring um, relationship, that trust, that support, um, mending and mending relationships. So I think what we said is we were going to do a wee... Um, yeah, Marie, Marie, see just before we go on that, like how, uh -huh. like how much do you believe in like wiping the slate clean then? I think, I don't know if you mentioned it there, but... Today, I think that every teacher has to do that with every pupil uh -huh. every, every day. I've got, they've got to, you can't hold a grudge, I think most people say, you, you can't take it personally, you mm. know, as I say, you can't take anything personally. I think, I think, that's, I think that's really powerful advice, but for, that, I would have loved that bit of advice, well, I, I think I probably did receive it actually, but it's, it's something that's difficult to do as a new teacher, mm -hmm. and still at this, like, I'm only two years into my career, and mm -hmm. I still find that it's, tough to deal with sometimes. It's just developing that thick skin, isn't it? It is, but, but how, do we, how do we, I think you're asking was how do you get there in the first place? Yeah. How did you get to that stage where somebody has actually lost it with you or thrown yeah. something? I mean, I've, I've watched over the years colleagues that I think, my God, I'm surprised you've not got a sore face. Mm -hmm. and, and how could I, how could I actually, if I watched something like that, you know, in a young person, what happens often the kid gets excluded? And I think, but you yeah. should have dealt with that differently. It wouldn't have got to that stage. It wouldn't have got to that stage where that child punched that door or, you know, through that chair if you'd have just dealt with it differently, you know? Yeah. And it's about that calmness. It's about that not blaming and trying to find behind every behind every kind of behaviour that people have got, there's a reason for it. What's behind all it? You know, what's going on in their heads and their minds and whatever else? So, um, but see if it happens, like see see if it happens last period one day, right, and then they're in first period the next day, and it's still been dealt uh -huh. with. Like what advice? Yep. Would you, what yep. advice would you give to them to make sure it's getting dealt with, and they kind of well, expect to be coming back into the class? I know. Well, the thing is, as I say as well, we can't really refuse to let kids into our class. That's our job. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Ideally, ideally, you'd rather it was dealt with at a different time. Ideally, or before mm -hmm. they come back into the class. But if it's not going to happen, you know what? Again, who's the adult in the room? You read Paul Dick's book. Um, yep. You know. When the adult yeah. changes, Change everything changes. Changing, yeah. You know, so you've whether you, whether it's happened there before as well. You know, it's not a, God. How much did a child really appreciate it if that happened the day before? And you come in and says, "How are you doing? Are you all right? Nice to see you today." How would they feel? You know, rather than you them coming in and you saying, "I'm not talking to you today until it's dealt with yesterday." You yeah. know, it's about that. You know, we are, as I say, we are the adult in the room. 
and then as soon as you can then you get that opportunity to have that restorative conversation and they say it's usually better with three people it's with somebody who's you know leading it and the other two people you know the teacher or the pupil or we do it with pupils as well pupils that have a fight you know right. um, and we've done it as well and, and almost always I think there's the odd time that some children are just you know whatever's going on there some children can't accept it or whatever but almost always they say listen I'm sorry both say they're sorry and make, make up on their friends again you know so mm -hmm. it definitely is powerful stuff so I thought we'd maybe try a wee um, resource practice scenario because there's a certain you know questioning um, system that you do, sequence that you do, so that we we um so that we, we restore the, the, the relationship. So we're gonna assume Lewis, you're the teacher, right? And you've been sworn at mm. by Clark, who's the pupil in the class. And that'll be the first time. I know, right? So Lewis, you're so you're the teacher, Lewis, right? So you um, arrive to class, you're late and you're stressed and you're uh, whatever, you know. So you're entering that, on entering the class, you hear Clark shouting at another pupil, call him an idiot and a waste of space. And then you, Lewis, start shouting at Clark, tell them off, stop that, don't you dare get, that's ridiculous, and you give him a hard time for it. And then the pupil then eventually just says, and leaves the class. So it's de-escalated, it's that power struggle, right? So it's happened, at the end of it, I guess the teacher is often the teacher will say he told but it's but what happened in that situation that caused that and both people have to really reflect i think mm. both have to reflect there's no point as a teacher if you're saying i want a restorative conversation with him and then you're going to get in and say i bet you did this and you did that that's not what it's like right so restorative conversations what do they do for those who are harmed at least that we have their story heard um be part of deciding what happens next and you know have their heart mended for those who cause the harm but take responsibility sometimes it is only one person that's you know at fault and they take responsibility for their actions reflect on what they did understand how their actions affect other people and put things right and start again so this is the way the restorative conversations go so i would start with um, either lewis or clark you can start with whoever it's about listening so one person listens and one person talks so i would be saying to lewis okay lewis what happened and it's not like what happened today it's mm -hmm. Tell me what happened. We're trying to understand what happened so that we can try and make things better as we move forward. So what happened, Lewis? Yeah, I was running late to my class because I was in the, the gym, then I had a classroom lesson and I was trying to try to get there in time. And then I walked into the class and it was all kicking off. And Clark was arguing with our pupil and uh, he I told him to calm down and I kinda lost my head. I was I was kind of flustered when I went into the room because obviously I was running late and then I started shouting and losing my temper with Clark um, and then he told me to Okay, so you've moved out to the next bit, what were you thinking at the time? So, I mean, that's probably, you've covered both of them because you're thinking at the time, I'm late, I'm flustered, I'm, yeah, I'm not liking what I'm seeing and all of that kind of thing, okay? Clark, tell me what happened. Uh, Mr Cleland was late, he's always late. Um, and, <laughs> I was uh, arguing with a pupil because... Don't edit this. <laughs> I was arguing with a pupil because they said a bad name about my, my mum. So I just lost my temper. And it was just as Mr. Cle uh, Lewis was walking in. Um, and he just happened to, to catch me doing it. So what were you thinking? What were you feeling at the time, Clark, when, that, in, when you were in that situation? What were, you, how was your, what were your feelings like? I was really angry. I just mm -hmm. lost my temper as well because of what he said about my mum. So. Okay. Okay, well, so we'll go back to you then. So, think, so see, since that happened yesterday, what have you been thinking about since? What have you thought now? Have I dealt with that situation the right way? I've been playing the situation over and over in my head. Um, 
I was angry at the time, maybe wanting Clark to get dealt with, but obviously okay. it's, I'm a bit calmer now, so right, okay. um, trying to resolve the issue. Yep. And Clark, what have you thought about since? Um, not really that much. I think I've, I've done the right thing. Okay. So, so can you explain a bit more about that? I think in terms of like, like how I reacted um, in the moment, I probably was just, I'm not going to let people talk about my own like that, so, but I probably shouldn't have said to Lewis. So. Okay, okay. So, Lewis, who's been affected by what happened, what's, what's been done? Who's been affected by this? Um, myself, mm -hmm. Clark, the relationship, mm -hmm. potentially. Yep. Clark. Others in the class. Yep, others in the class, yep. Yeah, me, um, me, my time for having to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel as if my relationship's been affected with the teacher and with my peers as well. I feel as if they'll okay. appreciate me now because I've told the teacher. Okay, so we've actually covered probably most of those questions. So, Clark, what do we think we need to do things to make, do now to make things right? What do we need to do? Um, tell, just wait until the teacher comes in and tell them about what was happening before. Okay. rather than reacting. Okay. Do you think that you behaved okay towards Mr. Cleland? No. No. Nope. So what do you think you could do to make things right there then? Say sorry and um, okay. then let what happened again. Okay. And Mr. Cleland, now I'm calling Mr. Cleland, said, Lewis, what, do you, <laughs> what, do you think, what do you think needs to happen to make things right? Yeah, sure. I need to realise that I was kind of, I flipped off the, the handle as well. I was rushing and um, I shouldn't have lost the head at you as well and tried to understand the situation a bit more. So I apologise as well. But you okay. ever swear at me again, you'll be it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but isn't that an interesting thing? When was the last time anybody again, when was the last time anybody apologised to a child? We find that hard. Teachers find that hard. And I mm. think that's something that you have to do. You have to apologise if you're wrong. You know, they, they, they apologise to a child, they go, whoa, I mean, they're like blown away by mm -hmm. it. But it actually is really, really, I think, really, really a good thing to do. And I think they do value that and they, um, you know. Yeah, because you, you always have the pupils coming down to say sorry when it's a restorative. Yeah. But I've never, I've never uh -huh. seen it coming from the, the teacher as, as much. No, no, that's very rare, very rare because... Again, I think as I say, if a, if a child runs out, walks out of the class and bangs a door or slams a door, a teacher doesn't reflect as well. They don't, you know, they think that they. Some of them, some of them think that you know, if a child's misbehaving, they can talk to them the way they are. And I mean, do you know what? See if you you're shouting at a child, don't be surprised then if they if they run because it's that fight or flight thing, you know, mm -hmm, yeah. that fight or flight that, that they just they, ha they haven't got capacity to do much else. Um, the next slide was um, I, I don't know how I've got it down here, but. I, I don't know if it was, um, this was based on that question we're talking about, whether things should, do I believe in punishment, should things be punish, punishable, restorative, neglectful or permissive, and we deal with things every day in a classroom, um, with children doing things wrong, and how we how we react to it. Some things are punitive, it's authoritarian, it's about blaming them, some things are restorative, where we actually, you know, we're authoritative about it, but we empower the children as well, and ourselves. Um, neglectful, you just indifferent, ignore it or whatever, or permissive, which is rescuing and excuses, making excuses. So there's, you know, different ways of dealing with um, behaviour. And I thought we would actually maybe now ask people this list here, if people can see this list, mm -hmm. um, to think about, think about, um, you know, each one of these is detention, is it punitive, is it neglectful, is it restorative, is it permissive? 
you know, is um, saying I'll sort this out for you? Is it punitive, restorative, neglectful, or permissive? So if people could just even go with detention, and what do you think detention is? If we can just put it in the chat, what one do we think detention is? I'll go back to that screen so they can see. Just put P-U-P-E-N or R. Oh, it's not in any of this chat box. Got a P in there already. P. All the yeah. P's coming in. P U. Yeah. Is it P E or P U though? Because it's a bit different. It's a P U. It's P U or P E because P in itself could be the punitive or permissive. So we need to put P U or P E, sorry. Hey, P U. P U. Yeah. Okay, so again, yeah, that is, that's punitive. So what they're saying is, and, and I'd listen, see if detention worked, people wouldn't be going there. We don't, we've stopped doing it really now just because I thought, what, what am I doing it for? I can get into detention, I can talk to kids, and most of them don't really bother about being there. Some kids actually like being there because it's about that safety or whatever. But, you know, um, and a lot of the kids that you really want to do it don't turn up anyway, you chase, spend your time chasing, but you're punishing people. So what they would say is, you know, that, if it's not restorative, well, that's what I would say. Restorative, don't do it because it's not going to change behaviours. You know, um, if somebody, if you say somebody, I'll sort this, I'll sort this for you. You know what I mean? I'll sort it out for you. The, the problem or whatever, I'll sort it out for you. Is that punitive, permissive, neglectful, or restorative? We've got a P P E. Yep. That's what I was going yep. to say. It's yeah, it's permissive, it's rescuing, just making excuses, you know, just whatever else. I'll not do them all because we could be here for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, if you're saying to somebody, how are you feeling? What is that? Is it punitive, restorative, neglectful, or permissive? How are you feeling? We've got a restorative. Yep. Restorative. Yeah, so we'll restorative. Yep. yep. So it's restorative of a child. If there's a behaviour in your class that you don't like of a child, you know what I mean? If there's somebody really behaving badly or just not, not you know, with their head in the desk or whatever, they're slouting down and not, not paying attention to you, rather than say, get your head up off that and do the work, but what's wrong with you? Is there, how are you feeling? Is there something I can help you with? You know, that's actually better than, because, you know, people don't just get in and put their head in the desk for no reason. There's something going on in there behind that. Um, exclusion. Is exclusion punitive, restorative, neglectful or permissive? We've got neglect. Neglect. Three neglectfuls. Punitive. Exclusion is actually, I mean, it's actually punitive because, again, it's a punishment you're doing to somebody. But, you know, and I, I remember as well, PE used to always do this. I don't know if you still do it. P would say to kids, you know, if, again, the whole class would be done, you know, two or three people weren't behaving, that's it, we're not doing P anymore. We're not doing, we're not doing practical day, we're all going to sit in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So it was punishing people by taking away their right to have an education. You don't ever hear maths teachers or English teachers saying, right, we're not doing English today, we're not doing maths today. You know, things like that. It's punishment. You're not going to get people on side by doing that. Um, you know, you sometimes so, hear the primary teachers saying, um, like, they're not doing P. You're losing your golden time because you're misbehaving. You know, the kids that lose most of their golden time, the kids that get excluded the most, the kids that, you know, um, get detention the most, the kids that get punished and exercise the most are the ones that need it the least because they're the most troubled kids. It's the same people that do it. They need, they need yeah. more than that. You know, they're, in some ways, they're used to that. They're used to being punished at home. And again, it's like, you know, where they feel comfortable, probably. You know, they're, they're used to it. It doesn't make a big match to them. It doesn't make a difference. I suppose, you know, I suppose when it's like, the, uh, if, you, if you exclude them, would that not be punitive first and then let them maybe get neglected because you're basically just saying... Well, I, I suppose it is, aye. Mm -hmm. aye. Well, you're, you're neglecting to give them the right to an education and stuff like aye. that if you're excluding. I mean, I don't know what it's like in, in your schools, but we, 
try not to exclude, but I think I think a lot of the reasons why we exclude more without a shadow of a doubt is because of the, the, the pressure we get from colleagues to do it, you know. Right, um, and that, that's something we need to tackle because, again, kids that are in local authority care, kids that are looked after and stuff like that, um, are more likely to be excluded than any other children, you know, across the country, across the world, probably. And these are the kids that are, you know, failing all the time because, but, you know, I wouldn't like to be in some of their shoes with their attachment issues and their neglect and their, you know, they don't get relationships with anybody. So these kids need us more than anybody, and but yet they're the ones that we tend to punish more. Mm. So, you know, people, I hear colleagues saying to me as well, well, you know, if you let, if you let him away with it, you'll, she'll, she'll start doing it. I'm like, no, she won't, because that's not her makeup. That's not her upbringing. That's not, you know, people don't do that. You'll always get the, the couple that are around. You know, if you've got one ringleader, you've got a couple around there who might jump on the bandwagon as well, you know, and start to do that too. But I often think, you know, they're the ones that we need to tackle because mm. they're the ones that, if, if they're not sure about misbehaving or not, they're, you know, their parents might have more of an influence. But these young people who, are excluded all the time. It doesn't. I've met the parents. It doesn't make a difference. You know, the parents are you know capable of um, parenting them properly. So it doesn't really make a difference to these parents a lot. It's it's quite sad, really. But hi. Um, so, um, what's I going to do now? Where am I? Where am I now? What are we want now? We're another question now. Are we? An ASN one from Lewis. Oh, that's from me. Sorry. I'm right. Quickly answer, answer, answer this one. So. Yeah, so it's with regards to uh, ASM pupils in your class, um, are there any different strategies that you would use separately for these pupils, or would you tackle behaviour management in the same way you would normally? Well, I think so. I think when you get kids with ASM again, the ones we know are the ones that have got diagnoses of, you know, whether it's a um, learning difficulty, whether it's an autism, whether it's a dyslexia, whether, you know, whether it's a um, visual impairment or whatever, we know who they are. They're very obvious. I go back to this ASN pupils. We've all got ASN at some point. We all need support at some point, you know, so we don't always know. So I think I think your classroom management strategies for most of them, you know, are the same. Anything that works with an ASN pupil should work with an ordinary pupil when it's about management of behaviour. But with ASN pupils, you need to remember about your stage, the stage intervention databases. There'll be information about what you need to have in place in that class so that that child doesn't get stressed out, you know. Mm. And again, that, um, again, get, if you ask for request for support for learning, don't be afraid to do that. I want support in my classroom. It doesn't show a weakness, you know, get support in the classroom so that they can work with those kids and give them a wee bit more focus. Differentiate your lessons so that for kids with ASN, Thinking carefully about your seating plan. We've got a lot of young people who, you know, with autism or whatever, there's certain people that they can't, if people are too noisy, they can't sit near them. So you need to make sure that all these things are in place, you know, and that they're sitting in the right place, that they've got the right um, materials, that you know and you'll know about their traits. You should know about the kind of things that, um, you know, might trigger for them. So it's about trying to avoid them, but also about if something does happen, let them leave the room, give them their space. I think I would do that with any young person, really. You know, as I say, any young person who needs space and needs needs time out, you know, give them that space. But rather than put them out of the class, you know, say, um, do you want to be? And, and, and I would have those conversations because, look, I might ask you at times, did you stand out? It's not because I'm punishing, it's just because I think you might need time out. So let them know why you're doing it and let them have time out. But I think the classroom rules are for everyone. You know, um, that empathy and understanding the needs of young people. Um, Again, we're not, we're working in mainstream schools. If you're working in a school, 
the children with real complex difficulties. I've never ever done that. That's a different kettle of fish. I, my colleague works, his um, partner works in a school like that, and you know they, they get kicked and punched and bit every day. You know, um, we don't really have that in mainstream schools. So our ASM kids should be able to be included, um, and we should be able to meet their needs in that classroom by again finding out as much as you know about them, getting support in for them. But you know, the classroom rules apply to them as well, you know? Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, so the, the final question from one of the listeners was that they would like to hear about a classroom experience, a behaviour that just went horribly wrong, stuck with you forever, and what you would have changed if you went back. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. So I remember years ago, I had um, a group of, I had a group of boys in my class, and they were, the group of boys were fourth years, and they were um, that peer pressure, you know, they don't, they're all peer pressure. They were a group of boys, we were about 10 in class. I don't think that's all, always good. I think classes are too small, it's not great. The boys were in that class because they had two modern studies classes. One was like all the nice kids, to be fair, this is what happens. Nice kids, all the kids that were well behaved, whatever else. And these ones were put in that class because people didn't really have much expectation of them. You know, and that's what happens a lot. And that's a recipe for disaster. So I had that class and they were challenging and, you know, everything I said, they'd something to say back. And then one day in particular, we were doing an assessment. Now, I don't know how, how serious they took assessments. I think they probably thought I was just doing them just to, you know, treat them the same as everybody else. They knew why they were in there. They felt, you know, excluded. They felt not wanted. They felt um, you know, treated badly. They did. So they were angry. Um, and they were doing an assessment one day. And I said to them, right guys, this is really serious. We're doing this assessment, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, no talking. And I set them all down. So I thought, well, you know, one of those times you're like, I just need a bit of peace myself. So it was all quiet and stuff. And then one of the boys was talking to another boy. And um, I said to him, I said, um, we're not allowed to talk during an assessment. And he said to me, I'm only asking him for a pencil. And I said, but you're not allowed to talk at all. And he says, I'm only asking for a pencil. I said, but you're missing my point. So I just had this debate. It was all wrong. I said, you're missing my point here. I says, I'm telling you, you're not allowed to talk at all. And he just kept coming back. He went, but I'm only asking for a pencil. And I got to say it like that. I just went, and I can't remember exactly what I said, but something like, for God's sake, can you just shut up? Are you buttoned up the back or something like that? I said to him. And like that, it just escalated. And he just threw the, threw the, threw the book down, walked out the class, and as soon as he went out, and I'm going, it was nearly bell time, and I'm going, oh my God, oh my God, you know, I was freaking out. So I suppose it's not what I'd have done. I mean, what I'd have done different, I wouldn't have had that conversation. See, if I'm only asking for a pencil, I'd say, right, okay, that's fine, or whatever, and I'd have left it, but I wouldn't have just kept on him. But what I did do, as soon as he'd done it, um, I actually, because I think I must I was the deputy at the time, so it's my year group, so I phoned his mum straight away, because he walked out, it was lunchtime, but I don't know where he went home, yet. I didn't know where he went, and I phoned his mum, and I says to her, look, I'm just phoning you to let you know what's happened, and I says to her, I, don't, I just lost it, I'll be honest with you, I just, I, says, I just lost it, and I shouldn't have said it, and I've done it, I'm really sorry, but can you just let him know to come and see me tomorrow morning, I just want to know he's safe, and he's home, and all the rest of it. And um, she's like to me, she went, no, you shouldn't have done it. I said, no, no, I'm, I'm admitting that I shouldn't have done it, you know. Um, it was a mistake. I wish I hadn't have done it. I did. It's happened. But I, I'm sorry. I should never have done it. It's your child. I shouldn't speak to them like that. And then the next day he came in and I said to him, look, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have reacted like that. And as I say, that, that, that's what you have to do. 
You know, if we do something wrong, that's what we have to do. So if I had to go back again, I wouldn't have debated it with me. I'd have just let it go. I'd have, I'd have tactically ignored it, you know. But, um, but I think saying sorry was important. Yeah, I think in my experience, when you get any arguments with kids, that's when you know you've been down the wrong road. I've been in that situation as well. Because yep. yep. you're, you're doing it in front of the whole class. They're never right. going like, to... They just... No. no, that's right. I can't remember who it was that said, somebody says, I mean, let's face it, when was the last time during an argument a child just stopped and says, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. They don't no, do that. No, you know, no. they don't, so it's not going to happen. Sorry, Sarah, I should have done it differently anyway. Yeah, fine. definitely, especially in yeah. front of everyone. It's always better to do it individually, in my experience. Yep. And yep. one-to-one, as much yeah. as possible. Yep. Right, okay. So, that's sort of us then for tonight. If there's any questions, put them in the chat. Um, Biles Marie's here, um, I'm sure she'll, she'll answer them. So, I, think got I, can, I can't get the chat for you up there. I can see the chat now. <laughs> what, would, what would your advice be when addressing B? Right, so we've got one. Um, what would your advice be? Can you see it, Marie? I can see it, I think so. Anyway. For, for the group people's been your class, pupils that bounce off each other. As I say, see pupils that bounce off each other. There's certain ones in there that um, speak to pastoral care teachers. Who's the ones that the parents would influence them? Who's the ones that if you phone a parent, and the parent will say that would stop it. So I think it's the ones around them that actually cause it all. You know, that's good. Yeah, that's they, good. they haven't got that. Um, you know, and say if there's six of them, you know, and if there's three that you can take away from it by phoning parents, getting parents meetings, and you know, explaining to the parents what happens. And if that stops, then it doesn't give the other person an audience. You know, so mm -hmm. that that's that's probably a bit of advice there, I. It always ends up with you versus them situation again. I mean, try not to get into that, that discussion. Just look at some of those, those um, Bill Rogers DVDs and you'll talk about how, how to avoid getting yourself into that situation. And it's about it's about your language you use, it's about your it's about your tone, it's about keeping it calm. It's about, you know, kids kids don't um attack you if you it's hard for if you say to somebody, I'd like you to sit down, thanks very much. There's nobody for them to go. They're not going to start shouting at you. Thanks very much. I appreciate that. If you're nice as nice to them, they actually they're actually thrown a bit. They don't know where to go with it. It's only when you start to argue with them, then they can come back at you. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really good bit of advice that I've taken there. Is uh, contact the people support teachers and see what like what uh -huh. parents you could really influence. That's a good one. I never yeah. thought of that. Because mm -hmm. um, you can always like, identify maybe the one or two who, yeah. if you could get them yeah. to stop, then that's the rest right. would stop, yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah. Well, that, that one will only bring other people on if the other people are coming on board, but if the other people are not doing it because the parents, they say there's a couple of kids that it doesn't matter what you say to the parents, the parents back them up all the ways, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, and that's why they behave like that. They, they're actually giving their parents exactly what their parents want, you know, yeah. it's actually the parents are, are leading that in some ways, but yeah. Um, yeah, go for the ones that you think you can influence. Any other questions, anybody? If, if you don't, then do you get anything else, Marie, before we... No, I don't think so, really, no. Well, well, thanks very much for your time, for coming on, and we really appreciate it. And Thank you. I hope it was useful. I'm not sure if it was, but, you know, I hope... No, it absolutely um, was. This has been so helpful. Thank you, all of you. No, no worries, Lauren.